Welcome back to Jesuit Balcony Conversations, JBC for short, and it is just a great, wonderful, beautiful day to be out here on the balcony. And uh, we have a treat for the listeners this episode, don't we, Patrick? We do. Later in this episode, we will be joined by one of our housemates, Ava Lucchino, and she will share more about her experience in Detroit as being part of the Jesuit Volunteer Corps, so I'm really looking forward to that. I am as well. She had a lot of great insights about her experience and what this year has been so far for her. Yeah, uh, Patrick, can you believe yeah. that it's October? I mean, September's done. I know. I'm getting a little bit of the sniffles, guys, and it's yeah. it's that time of Is the month. Is it allergies or are you sick? Well, it might be a little bit of both. It's a I'm just going to take one scoot away from the table here. Yeah, I'm going to try to cough more now. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, I just wanted to share that with the listeners because it's officially sweater weather, so I can wear my sweaters, my nice. scarves, and I just love fall. Bring so. out your costumes. You know, if you got yeah. that cape you've been wearing, just bring that out. Yeah, that's great. Later this month. Mm-hmm. Guys, I just want to remind you to give us a follow or uh, just a like on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. It just means a lot to us when we are reaching out to our listeners, and it's a good way for us to connect and have a platform where we can have a greater conversation. So just remember to follow us on our social media pages. Yeah, wonderful. So we're going to just jump right into this episode. We've got a lot to discuss, a lot to talk about. So we're going to jump right in again this week. It's our second iteration of Finding God in All Things. And I just want to take a second and take a step back and give a little bit more reason why we wanted to do this segment behind this segment. So Finding God in All Things is something that is really core to Ignatian spirituality. It's something that the Jesuits really seek and that they practice. And it's just this idea that calls us to see and to search for God and in every part of our life. And we talked about this really in our first episode, and it's not a little bit, and how we don't just want to seek God in prayer and in mass, and it's really every single part of our life. It's thinking, where can we find God? Or really, how can you find the good in every part of your life? And so for me, thinking and reflecting on this, it can be really challenging at times to see the good, to see God in all aspects of life. And to me, I drew, I was drawn to the news. So I think about pop culture, politics, business, even thinking about sports sometimes. And we don't always think of God's presence in these topics. So this segment is really going to be about us sharing news that has recently occurred. And we're going to ponder together where we have seen God. You know, where is the good? So that is what we're going to do with the segment, Finding God in All Things. So Patrick, I'd like to ask you to open up this week in sharing some kind of news. And then we'll ponder together where we've found God. Yeah, of course. So there's a pretty cool story that I reported on for this segment. Um, The United States Department of Housing and Urban Development announced yesterday, October 3rd, that the city of Detroit would be awarded over $9.5 million in grants. The announcement took place at my uh, workplace, Urban Neighborhood Initiatives. So uh, that was really exciting to just see everybody come to the office and partake in this special announcement. And this announcement was made by the HUD Midwest Regional Administrator, Joseph Galvin, and Detroit Mayor, Mike Duggan. Galvin noted that this is the largest grant offered to a local government for lead cleanup. According to the city, the funding will be an, uh, esti- will help an estimated 450 homeowners who hold the Southwest Detroit zip code of 48209. Of the $9.5 million awarded, $9 million will be allocated for lead-based paint uh, hazard reduction 
and then about 600,000 uh, will be allocated towards addressing housing related health and safety concerns. So as we, as I've seen in the news, um, when it comes to like Flint, you know, lead contamination is a severe public health issue in the state. Um, and though the numbers have been declining in the past like couple years, uh, these older homes, especially within the Southwest neighborhood, pose a significant barrier when it comes to totally eradicating the lead-based contamination. Um, the city estimates that 75% of the homes in Southwest Detroit were built in the 1940s or earlier. Patrick, just listening to all that, where do you find God in this? Yeah, I find God in a couple things. I find God primarily with uh, this record amount of grant dollars that's focused on this area of the city that needs so much support. Um, I also find God in uh, the district councilwoman, Raquel Castaneda Lopez. Uh, she spoke about her personal experience in dealing with lead contamination and she saw one of her neighbor's houses being filled with dust and paint chippings were just everywhere in, her, in that house. So I really appreciate her sharing that experience and just hearing that passion. She also thanked HUD for focusing on Detroit and the Southwest area. Um, particularly, I liked how she emphasized that Southwest is such a thriving community because of its diversity. And um, despite this like national rhetoric of um, you know immigration and diversity, um, it was just really refreshing to hear that. So I want to just kind of paraphrase what she said um, at, at this event. She said that this neighborhood has historically been settled by immigrants, and it's really important to highlight and elevate this given this divisive rhetoric happening at the national level. Part of the reason this neighborhood has remained stable and thriving is because of those multi-generational families of immigrants who have traveled around the globe to be here. So she also added that moving forward with this grant, she's looking forward to providing language access to those in the neighborhood who aren't as proficient in English, which is a large majority of this neighborhood that um, you and I live in. Um, a majority of the uh, people in Southwest Detroit are also millennials. So it's a very young population and they're beginning to raise families. So we know that especially pregnant women, children, they have a high risk of uh, and uh, of lead contamination, and they are at significant danger when it comes to those related circumstances. So I've talked to some coworkers about this, and they are grateful for this grant. Um, however, there is some skepticism when it comes to you know lead removal and uh, if the paint chippings and dust spreads to other areas and soil around the home that's being attended to as well as the number of homes with this grant money just because lead-based removal is expensive it costs thousands and thousands of dollars so at the end of the day i'm thankful when i find god in having this record amount of hud money being allocated towards this area of detroit um, and what this means for the people um, that are in this community that's wonderful to hear about what's happening in our own backyard, our own new community, the place that we're calling home for this next year. And I think it's great that you're finding God in your work and in what you're doing, and like I said, in our hometown. So I'm going to move on to our next story. And this one does not come from Detroit, not even from Michigan, 
this is something that's made national news and it's a story I've really been pondering all the way from Dallas, Texas. And so <clears throat> in Dallas, uh, Amber Geiger, who is a police officer, she's a white woman, age of 31. She was found guilty of murder for shooting Botham Jean, a 26-year-old black man. And what happened is she mistakenly walked into his apartment and she thought that he was intruding in her apartment. So uh, then she asked him to put his hands up. And he did not do that, and he began walking towards her, and uh, she shot him. So there's a lot to think about, a lot to unpack here. You know, there was a protest in downtown Dallas where people were chanting, no justice, no peace, no racist police. So just considering how race plays a role in this story is really important to consider. And so ultimately, she was found guilty for this murder. The judge gave the option to the jury to sentence her for two years in prison under a sudden passion cause which is kind of goes along the lines of stand your ground law. And, but ultimately, you know, the jury sentenced her to 10 years in prison. And shortly after the sentence, Brant Jean, who's the brother of Botham, the, ma the man who was killed, uh, he just had this powerful personal testimony right after she was sentenced to 10 years in jail where he mm -hmm. shared that he personally wishes that she didn't have to go to jail. And just in watching this, he said, you know, uh, he said, I wasn't planning on saying this in front of my family. I wasn't planning on saying this publicly, but he was just, you know, he was tearing up. He ended up crying, and he was just sharing this. Mm -hmm. And he says that the best thing for her to do, this woman who had killed his brother, would be to give her life to Christ and to turn mm -hmm. to God. Mm -hmm. And he said, uh, quote, I love you as a person. I don't wish anything bad on you. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, he asked the judge if he could give her a hug. Mm -hmm. And, you know, looking at the judge, the judge was grabbing a tissue. The judge was crying, and the judge said, sure. So then he hugs this woman. And they embraced. So uh, thinking, uh, contemplating where do I find God in this has been really hard for me to think about. Mm -hmm. uh, there's really a lot to think about in this story. The race dynamic that's at play, right? Geiger, who's a white woman, who's a police officer, shot a black man in his home because she thought that it was hers. And really, I think that it's kind of scary that a police officer has the first reaction of reaching to her gun when she was in danger. Right, it's off the clock. And uh, I mean, I understand that when things happen, you're startled, you're scared, you're worried, you're not as attentive to things, but even not even realizing that she's not in her own apartment and she just uh, does that, that's really hard for me to understand. So personally, finding God in this story and in this murder has been hard for me. I'm thinking of Botham's life, a 26-year-old man at absolutely no fault of his own, lost his life. Uh, and poss possibly due to the color of his skin, something he has no control over. And uh, reading the stories, his mom talked about how he loved God and tried to be, live a good and honest life. And she said, how could this happen to him? So, and I kind of echo what she said, you know, how could this happen to this man? And, you know, you know, it's no fault of his own. And why did this happen? So I'm struggling to find God in this. So Patrick, I'm wondering if, if there's anything in what I've shared where you're seeing God and if you can help shed some light. Yeah, I, this story really is very complex. And I just think about that brother and how he was able to forgive and able to say that at that moment. I think forgiveness is so much tied to how I identify God and how I think us humans um, reach God. It's a very supernatural thing to do. Um, and so what I thought about immediately is that there's this JVC monthly newsletter that came a week or two ago, 
and one of our um, admissions directors recommended this book called Called to Forgive, uh, and it's about this husband who lost his wife in the Charlottesville shooting, and he talks about his struggles with dealing with forgiveness of the people who participated in that event, participated in shooting, and and all of this. So I really thought about that and am looking forward to reading that in the future. Um, but again, this is such a complex topic, and it's uh, forgiveness is such a value that is so much universal. Yeah. Hearing that and thinking about forgiveness, I, it's caused me to think about a book that I read, Amish Grace, which really is about this gunman who in Pennsylvania in 2006 killed five Amish children and just the community, the Amish community immediately responded with incredible forgiveness and there was no second guessing, there was no there was no even thought about it they just immediately forgave and they immediately jumped to this so, uh, you know, there's a lot of literature, there's a lot of books written about this idea of forgiveness and I think thinking about how we handle and wrestle with this in different ways uh, it really shows, like you said, a part of humanity and a part of mm -hmm. how God is revealed through us. And it really shows that con the society contemplates forgiveness. So going forward, I challenge us to think about ways that we can practice forgiveness in our own lives. And hearing some of these examples, contemplating them, uh, they're really radical examples of forgiveness. So thinking about how we can redefine our idea of forgiveness to be more radical and how we can forgive one another and how we can let go of our grudges to move towards forgiveness is something. As promised, I would like to welcome Ava Lucchino onto the show. Ava is one of our housemates living and serving in Detroit with the Jesuit Volunteer Corps. She graduated from Georgetown this past spring with a degree in English. She decided to participate in the JVC because she wanted to have the opportunity to learn more about education, her desired career field, and to engage with her spirituality in a more intentional way. She is currently working at Jesu Catholic School in the Livernois McNichols area of the city. Welcome, Ava. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Billy and Patrick, for having me. Let's dive right in. So the first question that I'd like to ask you is, how is working at JZU been, and what is your role there? Okay, so I'm the Student Enrichment Coordinator, which means I manage all of the student extracurricular activities, which includes our robotics club, our musical, chess club, etc. And I mainly work with the students in a classroom adjacent space, so I'm not directly in the classroom teaching, which is really awesome because I get to have more fun with the students. I'm engaging them in things that are exciting for them and something that they actively want to participate in. But it can also be challenging because it's harder to form relationships with the students, um, but I'm really enjoying it so far. And being at JZU is really interesting as well because I've been thrust into a new community that's very vibrant and very, very strong. The school community is linked to the parish and it's very much rooted in the university district, the Livernois McNichols area of the city. And there's a lot of passion and love for the school and that's really awesome to witness. Um, and there's always something new to do as well. So I've learned a lot in the past two months being there. That's great. That's really good to hear your positive outlook on everything and how much you're learning. 
And I just want to share that uh, working at University of Detroit Mercy, like we're right across the street, so mm-hmm. we ride to work together every day. So. Always a fun time jamming. It is. <laughs> yeah, Ava, thank you so much for being on this podcast episode. We really appreciate it. Um, I want to just talk with you more so about uh, being one of two women in our house. Uh, I think Billy and I are great people. We, we floss. Speak for yourself. Teeth. I floss, I brush my teeth, and that's pretty awesome in and of itself. Uh, but obviously, that is overwhelming, and I just want to flossing get, is overwhelming. It can be. Okay. If, like if you haven't flossed in a while and the blood starts coming out, then that's you don't want to do it again. I, what I'm referring to is being one of two women in the house of seven. So if you could like touch on your experience about that, that would be awesome. Okay, so overall it's been enjoyable. It really reminds me of living with my brothers, um, of which I have two, and witnessing the jokes that guys have and just kind of the things that I don't really understand, I guess, but it's a lot of fun to see that, and I've really enjoyed it so far. It's been very fruitful as well because it uh, living in community more generally but also living with five men has challenged me to like, voice my needs, and once, because there's some things that when I've lived primarily with other women, I haven't needed to necessarily speak to that experience. And living with men requires me to say, okay, this is something I need because of like being a woman and being in this experience. Um, like It's just making people, I guess, um, aware of how my life is uh, affected by my gender and how that is different from other people's experience of their gender. Um, And as well, I think another thing that's happened a lot is kind of explaining realities of everyday sexism, I guess, just because that's something that I've experienced so far in Detroit is just like catcalling and things like that. But overall, I've really enjoyed it, and it's made me more cognizant of what I need and how to express that. Thank you for sharing that. You talked about how um, you've... uh, just living with five men and having there be two women in the house that there's times that you need to voice your concerns and voice your needs in ways that you don't when you have lived with women before. Mm-hmm. So I just wonder, like, uh, is that challenging? Do you find it challenging to have to find different avenues to voice these concerns to, like, a, a primarily male household? I would definitely say it's challenging because I want to be eloquent when I'm speaking and also clear And something that I, this is more of a personal thing, but I'm very specific in the way that I speak for the most part. And when I'm struggling to uh, explain myself, then it can be very difficult to say what I want to say and say it in a succinct manner. And so uh, this experience so far has challenged me to do that and to become more aware of how I express myself and how that can impact other people as well and making sure that I'm not causing any harm or hurt with the way that I express myself and rather just saying what I need to say in order to help myself uh, live in community more fruitfully. Yeah, do you find yourself to be a more direct or indirect communicator? Definitely more of a direct communicator. I just want to say what's on my mind and get it out there. Yeah. Thank you for that. Switching roles a little, switching gears a little bit. 
I'd like to ask you just about the city of Detroit and just living here for the past couple months. How have like what are some different ways that you've engaged with the city of Detroit thus far? Mm -hmm. Well, I've spent a lot of time exploring the city so far. I've been to various areas, uh, mainly downtown, midtown, the university district where we work, um, and Corktown, and we live in Mexican Town. So been walking around those places because I love to walk, which is kind of ironic in the Motor City, but don't have a driver's <laughs> license. So the, that's the way things are. Um, but I really like getting to see people just living their everyday lives. I think that's something that's really different for me, at least, coming from school and college where either everyone was a college student or I didn't really see anyone living a, a different type of life. And now here I see students going to college at UDM, going to school at Jesu, seeing people in our neighborhood, going to CVS or going to the supermarket. It's really a, a privilege to be able to just be surrounded by other people living their lives and just being able to witness something as simple as that. It gives me a lot of joy. And then I also uh, have been mass hopping or church hopping a little mm. bit, I guess, and that's been cool, Seeing gone to Mass at Jesu and Saints Peter and Paul and uh, at UDM. And I love seeing different Mass communities and what about that Mass time or that church brings them there and getting to also see what I'm most connected to as well. Mm -hmm. Do you want to like just uh, elaborate more on the church communities that you've kind of hopped around in? Um, like what are, I guess, some of the differences or things just things that you have noticed um, in the places that you visited? Uh, well, Jesu was the first place where we went to Mass as a community, and that was a really interesting experience. One, because I know with Jesu, the parish, it's two combined parishes, and they combined a predominantly white parish with a predominantly African-American parish, and it's really amazing to see how the two communities have grown into one and just how elements of black culture are uh, part of the mass and also just the, how vibrant the community is. Everyone walks around during the sign of peace and gives hugs to each other. The people walk around the entire church during that time. It's a five minute sign of peace and I've never experienced anything like that bef before. My home parish in Pittsburgh is very stoic, um, not very welcoming in that way. Um, and that's been really cool. Saints Peter and Paul, I really appreciate the focus on social justice that oftentimes comes up in the homilies, especially for the ones that we've attended. And seeing the jazz mass there, attending that was incredible. That was beautiful music there. Incredible yeah. spiritual experience, for me at least. Um, and then UDM, was it was really cool to be back in that college setting and just get to feel like I was at home in a way because it really did remind me a lot of Dahlgren Chapel at Georgetown and just kind of having this quiet uh, reverent space that is so often not used but when it is used it's in a very beautiful way yeah how you talked about how people kind of go through the sign of peace and how that's different at different churches and parishes I feel like that can really give you like a hint for like how the whole church community whether like just how I don't know just because I've seen some people really spend a lot of time on it. Some people are like hugging people they don't know. And like you said, like I've been a part of a lot of parishes that are a lot more stoic. And uh, it's just really interesting to see how that's navigated. So mm -hmm. yeah, thanks for sharing about that. That's just a thought that I had. I want to ask you a little bit more about Detroit. Do you have like any favorite places you like to go and hang out specifically? 
in the city that you've been to? I really like Clark Park, which is a couple minutes away from our house. I love green spaces, especially for getting to read and journal just outside. I personally experience God a lot in nature and having the ability to just walk down a sidewalk and see these beautiful trees changing their colors as we get into fall. It makes me really happy. So that's one great spot. And then I also really like just walking around uh, Corktown a little bit. It's definitely a very different vibe from Mexican town as it's so gentrified, but it's interesting to see how the city of Detroit just exists and what kind of uh, segregation there is in the Detroit area in terms of just from the history of redlining and everything. And it's very different from DC because DC is so gentrified. There's really no place that isn't. Uh, except for perhaps Anacostia, whereas Detroit is definitely going through that process. So it's cool to witness that and contemplate how am I contributing to this? How can I work to make people more aware of the problems that come with gentrification, especially with uh, the wealth that is uh, associated with it? I wanted to also touch on, uh, somewhat related to Detroit, but... um, we haven't really discussed, I know you are uh, a vegetarian, and there is a lot, I come from Seattle, and so there's a lot when it comes to like uh, food options and groceries and just public markets, there's a lot of availability for buying like f- fresh fruits and vest- vegetables, uh, vegan alternatives, and things of that sort. How has that been navigating so far in terms of like planning your diet, like where to go and, and such? But also I'd like to add living in a community of many people who are not vegetarian. And how have you, uh, just to add on, like if you could speak to like not only finding spaces where you can get access to the food, but navigating like a budget in a community that doesn't, or that, a budget in a community that does like uh, value meat and like buys and eats meat. Mm-hmm. Um, in community, it hasn't been too difficult because I just expressed the fact that I need food. Yes, there have been a couple of mix-ups, but we're also all learning how to live together, and I think that's just part of the learning process is making mistakes. And I've been able to eat and be, stay healthy, uh, and I think that's just in part because people are very receptive to what I need and when I've expressed my needs. And then in Detroit, more generally, I haven't really had a lot of, uh, I guess, engagement with the city eating out in the town and everything. But for the most part, it hasn't been too difficult. I found vegetarian options, um, especially with more established restaurants that I've been to. It's not, there's usually always, always one vegetarian option, so it's not too hard to find something. But I feel like there isn't necessarily a, a focus on veganism or vegetarianism as there has been in other places. Um, so I wanted to ask you if you would like to add to kind of your overall JVC experience kind of so far, what, um, kinda what has been fruitful for you in this journey? Mm-hmm. I've understood this year to be about learning, I guess, and I, that's how I came into the year. <laughs> Um, And so I've been learning a lot about myself and my passions and also others and what others need to thrive in 
whether it's our JBC community or in uh, the JZU community working with students. And I've really enjoyed that, just getting to engage in a very intentional experience of learning and being with other people because I, I haven't been a part of that in a very intentional way before. Uh, I feel I feel that college is kind of like that space, but this is a different space from college since we're working, and we also have <coughs> prescribed events that we need to go to, like our community nights and spirituality nights, so that's been really cool. It's also a bit indescribable, I guess, because each experience is so individualized, and I thought, reflecting on this, I was thinking about the fact that there's this relationship between the communal and also the individual in JPC, and I feel that there is a little tension there because you have to consider, or at least I have to consider, what is best for the community? What is best for myself? How do I bring those two ideas together? How do I make them work? When is it important for me to prioritize myself as an individual and make uh, time for myself, space for myself? But when is it also important for me to engage with my community and be present in that space as well? And I've really enjoyed the, uh, the opportunity to engage with that more deeply. Yeah, I think for, I, I echo a lot of what you say. And a big thing that sticks to mind is like w that tension between like individual, individual like experience as well as like communal bonding and, and immersion. It's like finding how can I be really a part of this community, not only in my house, um, but also within the city of Detroit, in your case, like being you know, one of two women, you know, being a part of a group for all of us that we don't know each other before. And how do we build that trust and build like a relationship with people? And that is a struggle and a process. It's a process more than anything. And that's hard as it is. And then also navigating your relationship within your neighborhood and within our workplaces mm -hmm. recognizing yeah we are here for a year and that how do we want to approach that and how do we want to be mindful of like giving our heart and giving of that so anyway. yeah I you talking about giving of ourselves uh, one to community but also to our workplace has made me it just brought to mind something I've been thinking a lot about about sustainable ministry which is something that we discussed at orientation of how to take care of ourselves in our ministry because at least for me I'm someone who struggles with saying no to other people's requests to get things done I love acts of service that's my love language I love giving to other people and that can also be very draining and I think it's something that I will have to work on this year is realizing that I can't be everything for everyone all the time. And I think that a lot of people in JVC struggle with this aspect of themselves because a lot of people come in and they're like, I want to help the world. And realizing that like, no individual can help the world in every way possible, but focusing your energies, how they are most, how they're going to be most effective is what I need to remember and what I think a lot of people need to remember about this experience is that sometimes saying no is what matters. We have one final question for you, Ava. And this question comes out of a quote from Thomas Merton. Quote, if you want to identify me, ask me not where I live or what I like to eat or how I comb my hair, but ask me what I am living for 
in detail, ask me what I think is keeping me from living fully for the thing I want to live for. So Ava, I would like to turn this to you and ask, what are you living for? Today, I think I'm living for my students. I was a substitute teacher today in the second grade class for the second day in a row. And it's really incredible to witness the personal growth of these second graders. And although I'm only in there for a few hours, I can see how they're acting in that time period. And then also at the end of the day, interact with the eighth graders in the musical and just see how much happens in that time period and also how much teachers and mentors impact these students and recognizing that in those moments when I'm interacting with students that I realizing that I'm playing the tiniest role in their personal development um, and how my tiny role seemingly for me could have a major impact in their lives because I'm one of the people that they're interacting with who's in a position of authority and something that keeping that in mind something that I want to make sure that I consider is that I hope to empower my students and validate their experiences, especially at JZU, because it's a predominantly African-American uh, school, but with primarily white uh, staff members, and making sure that their hopes, their dreams, what they want for themselves uh, is important, and that I want to make them know that, and even if society tells them that isn't so, and that's something that motivates me to be a better person and a better educator. Well, I think I speak on behalf of Billy and a lot of our house when I say that you really sincerely do so much great work at the school and in our community. You really do put your passion and your love of service and of action um, into so much of our lives. And so we just thank you so much for what you've done for our community, whether it be like creating a Google Doc for everybody, creating the... You're great the, at email, the, the, too. The I'd like to put that out there. Some great emails. Some great highlighting for yeah. listeners. She knows yes. how to like really bold, and it's, it's, it's <laughs> well, an art. I feel uh, so validated. And, you know, fr throwing the Frisbee, that's also yeah. really fun, too. Yeah. So. so just thank you so much, Ava, for everything you do for us in our house, everything you do for the community, and just for being on this show today. We just want to thank you. Thank you so much for having me. was a wonderful interview billy wouldn't you agree that was she was wow. awesome she just gave us a lot to think about and a lot to work on as we move forward in jvc as well as this podcast um, i grabbed a few highlights that resonated with me that i hope to bring up as future discussion points and on the podcast she talked about everyday sexism just her experience uh with just speaking up holding information you know when is it appropriate to discuss bring things to the community how does that balance between individual life and communal living have especially when she is in a house of um, five men and another woman so i really would like to continue to build on that another point is differences in church perspectives 
uh, her growing up in a Stoic church, as well as the diversity of church hopping around Detroit. I really like to talk more about that. Uh, and then finally, sustainable ministry. This is something that really means a lot for myself and uh, just finding that balance between like uh, taking care of yourself and also being fully present to your work and fully present to your community. What does that look like? So, Those are definitely topics we will continue to dive in, explore, discuss, because I think they're not only core to Ava, but I think they're core to us and they're core to the JVC and the JBC. So they're core to everything. And so that will definitely happen. And uh, Patrick, I just, can I bring something up? Can I bring up your a commitment that you've made? Uh, yeah. So I just want to people to know that Patrick's not, or Ava is not the only vegetarian in our house. Patrick, for the month of October, has decided to go vegetarian. And so last night, for the first time ever, he had tofu. So how was that? Wow. I didn't know you were going to bring that up. <laughs> uh, it was good. It was surprisingly good. Tofu gets such a bad rep yeah. on the in the media and just from everybody I've talked to, it's like, oh, gosh. Yeah. So I just I just wanted to bring that up because it's a commitment you've made. Mm-hmm. And just so that we can, you know, so as, as a form as a way of practicing care and love, I want me, I'm going to do it. And I want the listeners, you know, to check in on you. You know, are you yeah. have you eaten meat today? Sure. I want to make sure you're not eating meat this month. Thank you. So Yeah, of yeah. course. Yeah, it's tempting. We had a fried chicken for my final like meat dinner on Monday, which I cooked. And it was a good send off. But. Yeah. So, yeah. So we're going to transition now into our next segment, Four Values in Four Minutes. And just want to remind the listener that uh, we share four minutes between the two of us, and we will discuss the values that um, are particularly important or have touched us this week. So, a reminder that the four values of the JVC are spirituality, social justice, simple living, and community. And so, Pat, I'm starting the timer. Four minutes. Can you begin? Yeah. So for me this week, spirituality was something that really resonated with me. Uh, We had a really great community night this week led by Ava in which she put out this article by uh, Misha Sherry, Misha Sherry, Uh, who's a philosophy professor at UC Riverside. And the article was Solidarity Care, How to Take Care of Each Other in Times of Struggle. So a big theme that stuck out to me was finding this balance between being woke and being well. So she mentioned a couple techniques and things to think about, you know, being woke and what that means how to be aware of the injustices that are around. It can be very taxing on the brain, taxing mentally, emotionally, and she even talked about existentially. It can feel like you're always just kind of thinking that you're the problem. And how do you counter that? How do you like be well with yourself and be content with you know your limitations and maybe what you give off to other people, whether directly or indirectly? And so she talked just the importance of affirmations. That was a big thing for her. And also this uh, mutual reciprocity when it comes to um, service and just communicating with others. So that was a big takeaway and big moment for me 
that I'm so grateful to have read and will continue to read more from um, Dr. Sherry. Something I think about, I just want to bounce off with, with this idea of being woke. Like I heard one time, you know, we have this idea like you're either woke or you're not, right? And it just kind of plays into this. These, these, we set each other apart. It's either you're this or you're that. And it's just, it's just so complex. There's so many, uh, it's just a learning process. And I think that that's important to understand as we learn to love and care for each other. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that was really great. I really love to learn and read about that article too. So, but for me, what's really been, uh, what I've really been working on this whole time and what's really been connecting with me this week is just like finding small ways to slow down. And I think the value that that kind of hits for me is like, spirituality because uh we talked about self-care and it's just uh it's just for me that's like how I take care of myself that's how I'm the best me for other people is when I can find times to slow down and you know Ava touched on sustainable ministry and for me that's like how I sustain myself and so this week in finding small ways to slow down I like I tell myself I have an alarm on my phone it goes off at 10 p.m and one of the things it says is journal but uh, usually I just hit snooze. And so, but last night I journaled and I've been trying to do that. And it's a nice time to just reflect on what happened today. And usually I reserve journaling for like when a major event has happened in my life. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's been good, like, you know, nothing major happened yesterday, but I still journaled. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's helpful and that helps you to reflect and to realize, you know, to think about where is God in your life and what's happening. Just another thing. That a couple, a few of my students, uh, a few of the students at UDM have taught me this week is just like how to make a rosary out of string, mm-hmm. and it's just this beautiful process, and uh, it was really nice to do. And I've never really been connected with the rosary and with that form of prayer, but being able to make it myself and being able to then pray it with one you've made was a really beautiful experience for me. Yeah, going back to your commitment this week, especially to slowing down and journaling. You led a really great activity where you invited all of the house to do this Zen drawing uh, activity, and it was just really great to take like thirty minutes and just not concentrate on what like we're actually drawing or like what what's going on, but just kind of letting our thoughts and letting the emotions and letting what is just weighing and or on our mind and just letting that flow and letting the piece speak for itself so i really enjoyed that and really enjoyed how you described that activity i'm glad you did that's another great way to slow down and if people are interested it's called zentangle so just so you know if you want to google it so yeah Yeah. in closing today just kind of thinking about how i've been reflecting lately personally i have been reflecting a lot on some of my experiences in my college career at st norbert that have really formed me and have really shaped me into who I've become now and even what I value. You know, so much of what I learned in college have taught, has taught me what I value now. And so I'm not going to get into that, but that has just been kind of uh, reflecting on that has been really great this weekend. So at times when I did make it to Mass in college, there's this wonderful priest, and I also had him for an art class, Father Nielsen, and just a wonderful man, uh, wonderful teacher. And he would always end his Mass with this short prayer. And so today I would like to end us with this uh, Irish blessing. So, may the road rise to meet you. May the wind be always at your back. May the sun shine warm upon your face. The rains fall soft upon your fields. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the palm of his hand. 
thank you once again for listening and tuning in to Jesuit Balcony Conversations. We want to remind you that our opinions are our own and in no way affiliated with the views of the Jesuit Volunteer Corps. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, maybe even Instagram. MySpace. MySpace, who knows, but stay tuned for our next episode. We invite you to share this podcast with a friend, co-worker, stuffed animal, or anyone who might be interested in a good conversation. Blessings. Peace.